if you're trying to contribute some goodness to whatever thing you're passionate about, you use your voice and your talent. You know, for me, it was elephants and that is my calling. I've always been like this my whole life. So if we all did a little bit, it would make everything so much significantly better. Putting good into the world and making positive change and speaking up for what is wrong is so amazing too. Hello, I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear from thought leaders in a wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows enough about. And from these thought leaders, we learn insights that we can use in our own lives to make efforts to make the world a better place in ways large and small. In every episode, you're going to walk away with a pocket full of great ideas and a spring in your step. And today we're going to meet Christina McKeon. Christina is a social entrepreneur who figured out how to combine her experience with her skills and a lifelong passion. And then she created an amazing project that is changing the lives of many. She's the founder of something called the Elephant Project. And the Elephant Project has brought her to places like People Magazine, Vogue Magazine, The Today Show. Because of the heart that's in this project and the ingenuity with which she's put one foot in front of the other to make a difference. The Elephant Project sells plush toys that delight children worldwide and help teach them meaning and purpose. The Elephant Project gives 100% of its net proceeds to really wonderful organizations all over the world that are taking care of the welfare of elephants in captivity. They're taking care of orphaned elephants. They're protecting elephants from poaching in Africa. Now, in this interview, you're going to learn a lot of great things about finding your own purpose, contributing in the way that you are uniquely built to contribute. Christina and I talk about travel savvy tips that I didn't even know were a part of the equation here. And it's going to make me lots, uh, lots more savvy when I travel anywhere in the world now. We also talk about how it feels to take everything that your life experience has given you and then find a way to make a purpose forever. So welcome, Christina McKeon. Thank you so much for having me. I am just so delighted to to chat chat with you. You know, we came to know about Christina's project because every fall and winter we have a gift guide at the Goodness Exchange that turns people on to great folks who are doing good work in the world that are nice to support and can help us with the Christmas gift problem. And we worked with the Elephant Project. Christina is the founder of the Elephant Project, as I mentioned in the opening. An absolutely fascinating story, a wonderfully inspiring way to look at how we can each find what we're uniquely built to contribute. So I'm so delighted to have you here. I've been looking forward to this talk for for months. So, you know, one of the things I want to talk about first, because I think it's what connects us all to your work, to to what we feel when we learn about your work, is this concept of don't give up on what you feel is right. Mm. Uh, Christina and I had an amazing pre-call where we kind of thought quickly about what we wanted to pack into this hour. And that was one of the things I wrote straight out as a quote. You said, don't give up on what you feel is right. So let's talk about the elephant project and just in the very biggest picture, and then we'll go into the details. Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, I started the elephant project. Well, I initially, what started this whole thing was I was in Thailand over 20 years ago, and I saw a baby elephant being 
abused in the streets of Bangkok. And it was like one of those things where you see it, you can't unsee it, but it was also like a definitely significant thing in my life where I was like, I need to do something about this. Like, and I, I tell people, it's like, when you have a calling, it's not like you can turn it off. And sometimes I wish I didn't have a calling because it's been like, it's so hard sometimes, but I'm like, when you have a calling, it is what you do. So that was initially how I started the journey is just being so upset about what I saw and felt like I was meant to see it so that I could help change what was going on. And so I came back to California and I was trying to figure out how I could help and was super overwhelmed and frustrated. So I decided to sort of align myself with people who felt the same way about elephants, protesting circus. I went and started protesting the circus. There was no social media at that time or the internet really. So it was really hard to kind of figure out um, how to navigate that. But once I sort of aligned myself with people, I kind of got the momentum, really found out a lot of the plight of the elephant and what they were facing in different parts of the world. It was different challenges, including in the United States. And then I still wasn't sure what how I could make a significant impact. Just protesting didn't for me wasn't enough. I felt like I was supposed to do more. And it, the turning point really was I saw, um, it's kind of full circle because now I help dogs too, but I saw a dog in a shelter in Los Angeles that was going to be killed. Um, it was a German shepherd and I rescued him and brought him home and he was as bigger than my house and I found a home for him. But the woman who helped me find a home told me, you have to do something more. Like I was like, yo, you're right. And she said, no, do it. So I kind of needed someone to tell me, like, you just do it, like no more talking about it. And so I saw my daughter was playing with a stuffed animal and realized like, oh, I have a background in product development and design and I could make my own stuffed animal to create awareness and funds for elephants globally. And that's how the whole project started, really. I think we all have these moments where we say somebody's got to do something about this. Right. You know, you may have heard my story. I don't tell it very often on the podcast, so I'll share it, is that I was a dentist for 25 years. And during the 2011, 12, 13, I started to notice my patients who'd been just lovely, cheerful, upbeat people were starting to get drugged down by the negative noise in the news and social media. And I kept saying, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's got to do something about this. And then I have my own story of a moment when it made sense. And I knew that that somebody was going to be me. So I love that part of your story. Talk to us about the Elephant Project. Like, tell us it's a business that I mentioned in the opener, gives 100% of its net profits, but take us deeper on how you you connected all the dots from going from a, a significant emotional event to creating a business, and now you're here. Yeah. So, you know, I tell everyone like this was sort of my contribution to the world and it was what I knew. So you don't have to, you can make a really big difference by your own talents. You don't have to start your own (laughs) philanthropic toy company. It's just something I knew how to do. But um, I just, you know, my family was in design. I had a, a background in it. So I really started from like scratch where I found on Craigslist, like, 10 women who were seamstresses and I was like drawing and cutting and pasting my horrible like idea of a stuffed animal. I mean, it took me a a really long time. And I was, I remember I was at the fabric store trying to figure out how to do all this stuff. And I had one daughter who had the stomach flu and she like threw up and it was just like, you know, it wasn't easy, but 
we got a prototype. I looked online how to make a business plan. I mean, it was really, really like trying to figure this whole thing out by myself. And after a lot of trial and error, I found a factory. I, you know, did this whole business plan. I kind of put it out to the world knowing that this was sort of my vision. It, w- it was, I always tell people, people are like, you're so lucky. And like, I am really lucky, but I also worked so hard for it and put in so many hours mm-hmm. and had a lot of success, but a ton of failure too. So that's mm-hmm. also part of it. But I think when you're fully committed, it kind of keeps you moving along. But um, yeah, so I had a prototype and I, I had them made and I kind of put it out there and like instantly people just gravitated toward it. And that's kind of how I was like, okay, it was a sign what we were talking about before the universe was like, okay, you're doing the right thing. And it's kind of been like that ever since. I think my intentions have always been for, to help the elephants. And I feel like the universe has helped me because it was just a true, honest way to contribute to making a difference for them. And so I'm so grateful for all my friends and family who supported me, but also everybody who's like really thought they're great gifts that give back. They teach children to be kind to elephants. They teach them about the plight of the elephant. And I feel like people want to help, but not everyone can dedicate their lives to something like this. So it's an easy way for them to contribute and also give a cute gift that helps save elephants and now other animals as well. Well, that's one of the things that I thought that I'm always looking for in the world to shine a light on is people that have found a way to make a win, win, win all the way around. Right. So you're creating a business that's sustainable. You're um, giving the net proceeds to a cause that's arguably, you know, good for all of us. Right. And I pro- I would guess that you're probably making positive change in the regions where the problems with elephant welfare and so forth is pretty bleak, right? Like, okay, I'm going to yeah. have Christina tell you the story of what she, of, of how, when we go to travels like Asia or what have you, and we see a hotel promising elephant rides, we ought to stop in our tracks right then. Christina has a wonderfully instructive story about why that is so wrong. And we'll spring, it, it'll take you down a little on, on a low uh, quite a bit, but then we're going to spring up from there. But I think we, you have to tell us the story of how they get elephants to be uh, uh, amenable to being ridden. So yeah. we know why we should care about this topic today. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to me because I think the huge part of the Elephant Project, even though it's a toy company, I've sort of been all of a sudden a spokesperson for not tried elephants and educate people why. And so many people don't know this, but I'm really, I hate this story, but I feel like I need to share it. I do so much better on positivity, but this little part of it has to be told. But the reason you're not supposed to ride elephants or see them in a circus or any sort of Um, you know, have them paint a picture for you or whatever, all that kind of stuff. So in order for them to do that, they have to go through this thing called the crush box because elephants are never supposed, they're always in the wild. You're not, they're not, they're not supposed to be trained. You're not supposed to ride them. Um, Not only for the physical part of it, but because when they're baby elephants, they take them and they put them in a cage and they beat them just horribly until their spirits are broken. They stick spears in their genitals. They pull their eyelashes and hair. And once their hair is pulled, it never grows back. So they cannot protect themselves from bee stings and things in the environment that would hurt them. And their spirits are so crushed. And that's why they call it the crush box because they've been beaten and tortured so badly as baby elephants. 
that they are so fearful of man that they will do these tricks or you can ride them. And so I don't think a lot of people know that, but I'm like, if I tell you that and then you still ride an elephant or you still go and have a paint a picture or you visit at the circus and that's kind of on you. But I, I want to believe that people don't want to participate in something. And if you, you know, before we just didn't know, including myself, I didn't know all this stuff that was going on. And, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, this information is out there now. So I feel like we are all responsible. If we are going to visit these areas, then we're responsible to take enough measures to research it, to make sure that we are not participating in unethical travel experiences. And that is definitely one of them. So I tell everyone, take that off your bucket list and also don't promote it and share that story so that if there isn't a market for it, there won't, that will discontinue. I mean, they, they can't make money off of those type of experiences and there won't, there won't be a market for it. And we can all make a significant contribution. Yeah. So that story really fell hard on me because my husband and I have made global travel a part of our lives, our whole lives with our kids. We've drugged them to all corners of the earth. And I, well, I have never been to a part of Asia where elephants being ridden were a thing. I think right. I would have thought it was fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the whole thing is like, you just like a lot of people, I, I, so Lek is one of these people that I admire so much. She lives in Thailand and she was born in an elephant camp where they did ride elephants and she would hear these baby elephants scream and some of them would die. And she was like, I, I can't do this anymore. So when she was a teenager, she left her family and started rescuing elephants. And so they disowned her, but um, she's on the ground making such a difference. But I, she has a movie called Love and Bananas. And I, I had a screening for it here in Santa Barbara. And I had all these kids come from all the high schools and elementary schools and all these parents come. And after, you know, it was over 400 people. They were like, thank you for telling me, like we rode an elephant. We didn't know. So education is super important. And, you know, I have a ton of followers and, you know, support from younger and older people. So I try not to get too graphic, but it's also really important for people to know, you know, sometimes they'll be like, I love elephants. I rode one in India or whatever. I'm like, Oh no, you're not supposed to. And this is why. And then they're like, and then I'm like, it's on you to make that decision then. And also, you know, if you, I think like not everyone can dedicate their lives to animal well, welfare or the better good, but then you can share that story and share what happens. And that's your contribution too. Yeah. I, you know, um, I've thought about that story about 10 times since you and I talked last week. Yeah. It's, it's really one of those stories you can't unhear. Right. And regular listeners to this podcast will know that's that this is one of the only stories I've, I, that we're going to tell like that on this, this show with a real open heart, because I feel like we can use that story, like you suggest, to make change. Right. Definitely. And, and most sure. people have the best intentions and they would have no idea that's the background on this social system that is in place in parts of Asia. Now they're mostly riding elephants and, and so forth um, in Asia. So that's a different kind of elephant, an Asian yeah. elephant, the ones with the small ears uh -huh. to make it simple. And then Africa, African elephants have their own problems. Yeah. Um, their, their problems are, you know, more like, um, well, poaching, trophy hunting, and then just sort of the human animal conflict 
yeah. in most parts of Africa. And, you know, a lot of, unfortunately, the governments will open it up to big game um, hunting. So that's a different issue with them. And also to like the drought. So in Asia, it's more like the abuse of the elephants where in Africa, it's, you know, um, human elephant conflict and trophy hunting. Okay. So we've taken everybody down, down in this dark hole. Don't leave us because we're going to spend the rest of the hour talking about the most amazing parts of Christina's story is, you know, her humanity is the, is this fact that she saw a problem and stepped by often excruciating step, she marched towards being part of the solution. And what I've noticed, because, you know, that's what we do at the Goodness Exchange is shine a light on people exactly like you who are changing our shared future, that ability to put one foot in front of the other and just make your way towards impact and making impact all along the way. As I understand it, there was a time when you were signing petitions and protesting circuses and creating social media campaigns, right? That that was your role in making the world a better place, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's so interesting because I, I, we talked about this before, but like you kind of do your thing and sometimes it's like, is anyone listening? Does this even matter? Like, I'm so tired, <laughs> you know, all those things. It's like, it's, you know, it's running a business too. So it is a ton of work. I mean, there's so many different components into it, you know, but then I'll get something where I'm like, oh, okay. People are listening. I, I told you before that I had this girl, her mom wrote to me and she said, my daughter's in elementary school and she's in first grade and she wanted, she loves elephants and she wanted to do her report on elephants and that she wanted to save them someday. And we found you online. And so she saved up her allowance money and she bought an Kiki the elephant, the girl elephant, and she did a whole thing on it at school. So she sent me the picture and the little report, but the principal found out about it and said it was so cute. And so she said, can we like have you like Zoom and have you come in and do talk to the whole entire school? It's like K through 12. So I did. And then the local newspaper was there. And I was like, I had, I would have no idea this is happening or that I made an impact on her. And I ended up sending her more animals. But I just was like, it just made me realize that, you know, you don't, sometimes you just get so into it and, you know, I'm so passionate about it, but I don't expect everyone obviously to have the same passion I do. For it, but when you hear stories like that, it kind of validates, okay, you are doing something right and hopefully making a difference. Yeah. And what I love about that story you just told, and another I'm going to ask you about, is that we never know how the goodness we put out in the world will go out in ripples. Right. What shores it will land on. You can just be responsible for starting it where you are with what you have, right? Definitely. And you know, the thing about it too, is that I realized is you know, I would reach out to these groups who were doing a lot of great work or things that seemed really big, like huge issues. And I would reach out to like, you know, whatever the, the organizations that were helping them. And you would think that'd be like huge organizations, like tons of people. And But what I realized it was sometimes just like one or two people. And so I think the idea of it was so intimidating. And then when I started getting into it and even all the press I've had, like, you know, I've been in People and the Today Show and all this stuff. And it really hasn't for, you know, I got that, like, right when I started was just me, 
literally emailing them. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, so I think like you always have to ask. And one of my friends told me when I first started to, and he said, how's it going with the elephant project? And I was like, I really don't know. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And he said, Christina, none of us do. We're all making it up as we go along. And that sort of also helped me like validate that, like nobody really knows exactly. So you just kind of have to go for it and work super hard and have the best intentions. And hopefully that will kind of take you further. But I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that's like the magical recipe for it. Oh, it is. It is. Okay. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about that lovely story that how the generations give you hope. That story about what happened at the screening with the little girls. Okay. Perfect. Okay. We'll take a break. You know how the constant negative noise in our digital lives feels like it's reaching a boiling point? Now, many of us have tuned out the news and social media almost entirely. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. There are newsworthy stories about amazing progress, innovation, leaps in human potential, and wonders in the natural world, and they're just not reaching the top of our feeds. We can have access to this, but none of us has the time or maybe even the emotional stamina to search through all the doom and gloom news to find what's right with the world. Okay, enter the Goodness Exchange. There, we are giving instant access to positive news for curious people. Did you hear about the recent Harvard study that found that exposure to just four minutes of good news can make you 32% less anxious and 18% more optimistic? Well, I don't know about you, but I need those kind of numbers in my life. So if you want to live with more joy and way less fear, it's really simple. First, you join us at the Goodness Exchange. Our subscription model is a pay-what-you-can model so that everyone around the world has the opportunity to access this kind of content. And we've promised no politics and no ads for about a decade, so you're safe from all that distraction as well. Second, you allow this new, more positive, balanced worldview to put a spring in your step again. It can change the way you react to your kids, your coworkers, everybody you come in contact with. And the stories we write about can make you the idea person in your circles. These challenging times call for us to wake up and take control of our perspective. The people who use the Goodness Exchange have the ability to react to the harshness of the world much different because they know way more about what's right with the world. And that's a resource. So subscribe to The Goodness Exchange, our YouTube channel and the podcast, and use this content to live a more expansive worldview. It is still an amazing world out there and you can be a part of it. Welcome to The Conspiracy of Goodness. Okay, we're back with Christina McKean. Now, Christina is the uh, founder of a project that I just adore called the Elephant Project, which gives 100% of its net proceeds to fund um, elephant rescue, rehab, all kinds of things. And we're going to get to talking about that aspect of things. But I do have this great perspective that she shared with me about the generations. You know, it's easy for the years to go by and kind of beat you down on what you think is possible in society. But there's always this new generation with the energy. And you have a great story about your crush box part of the of the screening And by the way, I should say that anything that we, Christine and I mentioned in this episode is going to be in the show notes, very detailed, quick links to things 
on the Goodness Exchange website. So if you want to get a connection to this movie that she's mentioned or all the other podcast episodes I might mention or books that she and I might mention, you can go to the article that'll accompany this podcast episode at the Goodness Exchange. Okay, so tell us this little story about how the children impressed you when you got through that very difficult part of the movie about the crush box. Yeah, so I was a little concerned because so many of my friends were bringing their kids that were in elementary school. And I think my youngest daughter was in sixth grade at that time. But So this is the, the screening of the movie where you had three or 400 people at it. Love and Bananas. And this is, yes, what's it called? Love and Bananas. And you okay. can get it like on Google. And so it's only like a couple dollars. It's it's only an hour. It's ama- it's amazing film, actually. And my, and the, the, by far the vast majority of it is beautiful and positive and so forth. But it's only like two minutes of sadness, but it's also important to see. And yeah. I was actually really worried about showing that and lack the woman in the in the movie and who's become my good friend was like Christina. They have to see it. It's all part of it. So I was like, okay. So we watched the show. There were tons of kids there. And after the movie, they were, instead of being upset about it, some of the older people there were upset and visibly like walked out. But the younger kids were like, I can't believe this. This is wrong. We're going to start our own elephant project. They did lemonade stands. They did like cookie bakes. Like they all got really involved. And instead of being fearful and like overwhelmed by it, which is amazing about this next generation coming and my daughters are in it too. So I get to see it firsthand is that they, they see something wrong and they're like, oh, this is not okay. We're fixing it. Like we're fear, not fearful of authority or whatever's going on. We're going to make, we're the game changers basically. And that to me is so inspiring because kids are so much more resilient and stronger than we think they are. And I love working with young kids because they are not fearful. They're not stuck in their ways. They're open to listening and they're, they're like, just we're making a change. So that was really amazing because I felt like there was hope. And like the woman said, you know, I always said, like, are you, how do you feel about this? Like you've dedicated your whole life. Do you feel overwhelmed? And she's like, I don't, because I feel like this next generation is just magical. And, you know, she told me too, which is so important that, you know, one day when I was like, I'm so overwhelmed, like sometimes I'm like, how am I going to do this? This seems so overwhelming. And she's like, the elephants pick their people, which I, that has like been my strongest message. Cause I like actually feel that, like I feel there is something more than myself sort of pushing me along on this journey because it's, you know, it's been hard. It's super exciting, super rewarding, and also challenging like anything great in life. <laughs> but I do feel like the elephants in the universe have kind of like helped me and kind of showed me the different ways to, to move this project along. And that was just one of those things where I was like, okay, this is exactly like the right track and everyone needed to hear this. So. That's lovely. I, okay. So there is this natural and, and totally understandable impulse that we have in this world where so much attention is paid to what's wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. It's a natural response to push away and just, you know, tune out the news, tune out the sadness and all those things. But what I really love about what you just said is that a great guest that was on this pro- this podcast recently, Kat Tweedy, I'll find that episode number for folks. She talks about finding the intelligence in every emotion. 
you know, instead of pushing away fear, instead of pushing away this now new knowledge we have about how we get elephants to participate in this crazy system that we've developed, instead of pushing that away, what if we found the intelligence in our reaction, in our gut reaction to things like that, to things that hit us at our core? And that's what I think you're seeing in children. We haven't, we haven't driven that out of them. They're still, they're going, yes, I'm angry. And here's what I will do. Here's my agency to change that instead of just throwing up their hands and saying too bad, I'm too small. I can't fix it. I read somewhere that is actually a thing is that there's, it's sort of a cycle of generations where one generation is more complacent and they kind of don't make changes. And then the next generation they're like game changers. And I feel that, and it gives me an incredible amount of hope. And, you know, if I can help spearhead that I've had people, girls say that they've written college essays about this. So it's, I'm like, Oh, okay. If I can make a couple changes and, you know, also show them too, that there is hope, there's always hope. And I think like you have to, you know, I have, a, I belong to a lot of different organizations about climate change and, you know, sometimes they're like, we're doomed this is over. And I'm like, you cannot approach it that way. Cause then people are like, okay, forget it. Like there's nothing else we can do. Like just give up. So I think you have to, you know, I don't put a lot of stuff in social media about all the abuse for animals. And that is so overwhelming. I actually wish I didn't see that because people constantly send me that stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to share it because I feel like I have to be really careful because then people just feel like, yeah, it's too, it's too big. It's too big of a problem. And what yeah. can I do? You know, but let's okay. So let's focus on the outcome here, and not the yes. not the original, because that's a human a human thing is to focus back at the original problem, right. you know. But here on the good <laughs> the goodness exchange podcast, the conspiracy of goodness podcast, um, we try and talk about what's right in this whole system. So first, I want to direct people to your comment about the generations. Yeah, um, you're right, and I think maybe I was the one who turned you on to this concept. There, there are four repeating generations. Oh yeah, maybe it was. Yes. Yes. And I have been fascinated by it. And this generation that's growing up as children right now is the same kind of archetype, they call it, as the greatest generation, the generation of World War One that really fought and, and died and propelled us forward out of a crazy time. But uh, the episode that you want to listen to on the Goodness Exchange at the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, if you're interested in this generational archetype, these four repeated ones throughout time, is with Dr. Stephen Shepard. It's episode 108. And I tell you, you'll come away with that, knowing how to work better with folks in your in your work groups that are a different age generation than you. you your family will make sense to you again after that podcast. So um, I'm going to turn people on to that, but I loved your speaking up for this young generation of people who I think their generation is a see it and solve it generation. And uh, I think you've described a story that, that demonstrates that purposefully. So, okay. So one person can make a difference. Your story is just right through proving that. Absolutely. Let's talk about the difference that you are making. So you partner with organizations. Let's talk about the Shedrick Wildlife Trust to start with. Yes. So they, um, I've been partners with them since 2017 and they have a nursery of elephants where their parents have died or the mothers have died in Kenya and they're an amazing group. And then I work with the Elephant Nature Park and her organization that funds that is called Trunks Up. Trunks Up Official is their handle and Lek Chilert is a woman who runs that. My biggest hero ever. And I actually was just with her for like a month in January 
And so we usually don't name any of the stuffed animals after real live animals, just because they don't like to do that. Just in case something happens to the animal, it just gets tricky. So, but we created a little book um, with the artist, Pedro de la Cruz is a a really well-known artist in town. And he and I made this really fun whimsical book about, I'll send you it actually about how to not write elephants and about this, this lack um, rescued the, a mom and baby during COVID. And so we went and stayed with her. It was amazing. It was so amazing. I mean, I brought my older daughter and we would just, it was like National Geographic camp. I mean, we were just like walking with like herds of elephants. They were just all around us. There was, you know, it wasn't like gated or anything. They were just free. It was really amazing. So she's my, um, I do a ton of work with them. Um, and then I do other organizations where the other stuffed animals go. But those are the mainly two groups that I work with for elephants. I also love what Wildlife SLS is doing in India. So I'm looking into partnering with them a little bit in the future. And then the lion and the dog go to different organizations too. Okay, we got to talk about those two. So we're going to put links to all these organizations in this article. If you go on the Goodness Exchange, you won't find it on the other podcast outlets like Spotify and so forth, but there'll be a complete article at, on the Goodness Exchange written around this. Okay, so one of the things I don't don't want to leave before we talk about more of that sort of thing is that, you know, I learned a really good travel lesson. I want to circle back to, to this. Okay. You know, if you educate, if we educate ourselves before we go out and travel the world that we're, we're unfamiliar with cult- culture and custom and traditions like this that probably need to change, there are some savvy traveler ways that we can affect change just by what we say when we call to make a reservation. Tell us about your recommendation when, if we were to travel to Asia and try and book a hotel. Yeah, I think it's important to make sure that they are not supporting elephant rides so many people ask me now, um, and I've started to put out stuff on my website, like all the ethical sanctuaries to support in Asia is on my site. Um, you know, I stayed when I was there, the last time I stayed in one night, we stayed in a hotel in Chiang Mai and it was a really nice hotel, but they were like, I saw people going the next day for elephant rides. And so I was like, why are you supporting this? And I think like not many people speak up. So just saying that, or like, I don't support that and I'm not going to come back or I'm not going to, you know that they listen to that. So that's important. I always tell people don't take selfies with endangered Mm. lions, any endangered animals, because they're most likely drugged. Like I think just, you know, doing your research, if it looks weird, like if it's a wild animal and it's in on a chain or in captivity, then don't partake. And, you know, I think that's like, if you have the ability to travel, then you should make sure you're doing your homework before you go. And there now it's it's so easy to do that, to find out about that that you kind of don't have an excuse. So yeah. Yeah, know. your your uh, your your selfie thing is really something that you come across a lot across the yes. world. Yes. And I probably would have known that one myself, but I tell you you made me think about it a lot more. Like Yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't look right, why is that monkey with a chain this thick around his neck? doing the little funny tricks for peanuts in the square. Don't go take a picture of it. You know, who knows how they're getting the camels to, to participate or what have you. We should just know more about these, these things so that we can make choices that are in line with our values. Right. Definitely. And, and, you know, I tell everyone like it's, if it looks unnatural, it is. So like, if you know, and you still partake in, that then it's kind of on you but if you speak up all you have to do is say like a couple words like no I'm not going to just know and then they don't there's no market for it 
and and spread the word too. Yeah. If you see something on social media, I'm like, you can make a huge difference just by saying, hey, it's actually not cool to ride elephants uh-huh. or, you know, whatever. Like you don't have to be confrontational, but just, you know, and I think like approaching it in a nice way <laughs> so yeah. people don't put off and feel like they have to like defend themselves or whatever. Like just Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I'm going to include in this episode at the bottom? We we visited the Shedrick Wildlife Trust with our children about five years ago. And it is, it's a family of elephants of all ages that, um, that we're all orphaned. And, you know, what the folks in these kind of rehabilitation or rescue places do is just extraordinary. These elephants have a designated nice fellow who sleeps with them every night, right in the straw, in the stalls. Yes. Yeah. It's really amazing. I mean, they, I think originally when Daphne Sheldrick started, she had one elephant and the elephant became so attached to her that she had to go away for like a wedding or something. And then the elephant was heartbroken and kind of died from heartache. And so I know that they have, they do this in a lot of sanctuaries where they're orphaned or um, rescued elephants as they have rotating people. So they don't get to um, attach to one person. Um, I mean, they do that in Asia too, where these people just spend, you know, they listen to their mahouts. So, you know, it's pretty amazing actually. They're such yeah. smart, compassionate animals that they really, they understand so much more than we know. Yeah. And the stories of places that really get it right are so, you know, they're so full of connection and remind us of the best that's in us all. Definitely. Right. That's yeah. what I really love about some of these places that really get it right. And I'm going to make sure on this article that we refer people to some of the ones that you love the best. So talk about what's happening with, um, with dogs. Now you have a adorable dog toy that you've created. Um, that's going in new directions. Yeah. So I, um, I decided to brand myself as save us because you know, I was starting sort of to branch out and I actually wasn't, people are like, do you know what's going on in the, meat markets in China. I'm like, I do, but I just like can't handle it. Like this is one more thing. But then I had been following these women called Sla- their, their handles Slaughterhouse Survivors and they're from England, but they moved to China to teach English. But then they saw this, you know, I'm not going to tell that story because it's also very sad about all these dogs there in the meat trade. And they were just started literally going to the butchers and paying for these dogs. And then started opening like their own kind of shelter. And now there's like so many dogs there, but you know, I love the underdog, no pun intended, but I love these, like, I I actually realized that the people that I'm most connected to are the women that like Lek and the elephant sanctuary in Thailand and these women in China that are really on the ground doing the dirty work that I don't know many people in the world would do, would donate their whole lives to this. But I think why I decided to do a dog was um, for a couple of reasons, because I also wanted to teach people. I mean, I have, um, I have three very old dogs, but my oldest dog, my husband got from a breeder. I'm not saying that I did not, haven't done the same thing. I have a rescue dogs too. But I think that it was one of those things too, as I didn't realize, like you can get these beautiful dogs in shelters. And now there's so many dogs in shelters and the dogs that they're saving from China, my dog, I have a golden retriever from Istanbul and he's really the one that motivated me. He's such a beautiful dog who was not treated well there. And 
he's been the best I've ever had, but I just wanted people to know that they don't have to go to breeders and puppy mills. They can, there are so many beautiful dogs available and I feel like a rescue dog gives you so much love. So I wanted to share their story. And since I was targeting these kids, I was like, you can rescue a beautiful dog, just like this little stuffed animal and, you know, adopt, don't shop, that kind of thing. Um, I just felt like I had the platform for it and that I could make a difference for that. And also I felt like it would help the elephants because most people relate to a dog. I mean, people love elephants too, but like a dog stuffed animal, people have dogs. They don't want to see their dog. You know, you can relate, like you don't want to see your dog in any sort of horrible condition. So I was like, I'm going to do a dog too, because I have this platform and teach them and help raise money and awareness for these women in China. And I started it and it is literally flying. I can't even believe how well she's doing. So I was like, it was another sign. You know, I always ask, I'm really good at meditating. I liked, you know, I, I would say if I did my resume at some point again, I would say I'm really good manifester, but I really feel like um, my intention for this dog too. I'm like, I have to help get these, move these dogs out of shelter and help these. I can't, I couldn't handle seeing these animals being tortured. I just couldn't do it. So I was like, I'm going to do a dog and then I'm going to take a break. And I'm sure I'll probably do more too. <laughs> but for right now, I mean, I used to rescue sea lions and seals a long time ago in Santa Barbara. And I was like, oh, I have to do something for them. I'm, there's so many animals I feel like need a voice. So yeah. I'm happy to help them too. But for right now, she's been the newest addition and I'm super grateful for that. I love to hear the success of that. And again, it sounds like it was, you know, one foot in front of the other, you know, for people who this, this conversation is, you know, lighting a spark, right. um, you know, it is one foot in front of the other. And I can't thank you enough for sharing that kind of inspiration with us. I have a really good episode with a woman who started an organization called SheEO which I really love. It's, yeah. you know, it's an organization that was started because she realized that women only get about 5% of the venture capital for their businesses. Wow. So she started CEO to shine a light on women who are doing great things in the world that need financial support just as well as anybody right. else and make that possible. In any case, I said to her during the interview, and that's episode 148 with Vicki Saunders. I wonder if this is true for you. One of the things I remember out of that interview, I said, Vicki, oh, in any given day, she's got so much going on. How do you know what to prioritize? Oh, yeah, that's a good and one. She said something that I kind of hear you saying. She said, I follow the aliveness. I follow the energy. I follow the, the goodness, the good energy in any given direction. Yeah, I definitely do that too. I mean, I, you know, I've had friends say like, you're like a marketing savant because you're not really following. Like, I don't always follow the rules exactly how they're supposed to be because if they don't work or they're going down and I'm like, this doesn't work, it's over, you know? But I definitely don't. I try to align myself with positivity, with people who are doing good, who are positive, who see the light and you know, I usually know pretty quickly if it's going down the wrong way or if it's just not a good fit and I try to get out of it quickly. But, you know, there are always obstacles, I think, but I think also just trying to focus, keeping your intention pure. And, you know, I try to meditate all the time to keep myself back to like, why did I start this? What is my intention? Is this, you know, send me 
like help for in a good way. And it's worked out pretty well for me. I tell, and I, but I also think like, I'm so passionate about it. I tell my daughters all the time, like if you, whatever you decide to do in life, if you're really passionate, if you have good intentions, the universe helps you. And that is just a law I believe in. I believe like everyone can make a difference. The woman who initially told me to start this was like, you live in Santa Barbara. There are a ton of resources here. You have to make a difference. Like you, and I was like, it's true. Like if we have, if we are in a place where, you know, we're not suffering and we have the resources, then it is our duty. I feel like to make some sort of contribution in whatever way that could be. It doesn't have to be some huge company you don't have to dedicate your life to it, but you do, if you're traveling and you have the resources to do that, you do have to research it. You can give back yes. and volunteer. I mean, there's so, I always say there's so many battles to fight right now. Just pick one to help contribute. <laughs> there's a million battles, you know. Start anywhere. You know, yeah. and that's another thing that Vicki Saunders says in that episode. She says they're supporting women who are working at the world's to-do list. Yeah, that's that great. that's you know there's so pick a problem find something that you can be passionate about so I want to ask you this question so what I discovered after interviewing so many folks who are doing extraordinary good things in the world is that they can all tell a story about where their original courage comes from I look at almost everybody as probably having a woman somewhere back in their gene pool that, you know, not that there aren't men with courage in our gene pools for sure, but it was a lot easier for a man for the first 5,000 years or 500,000 years of human existence. Women just, just have been just behind the eight ball at all times. So there must've been a woman in your gene pool that had incredible courage. Do you have a story of some woman that you've heard of? My mom was sort of like that. I mean, she was a single mom and, you know, we grew up and, she went back to school and got her master's in architecture and became an interior designer. But she was always, you know, growing up, she was always working. Um, she did really well. And she started in architecture and thought she wanted to do interior design because it was more, um, she liked the design aspect of it more. So I think like that was sort of my role model. And I've always been that kind of person that like, push the limit. So, you know, I was a dancer in high school. So I was like, I have to try my hardest to be the best or win this competition. And, you know, I um, grew up in Minnesota, but I'm like, I have to go to school in California and like, you know, end up going to school in San Diego. So I feel like I've always been, you know, my stepdad was like, do you want to be in a situation where the biggest fish in the pond or do you want to go and you're going to be challenged? I'm like, I'm going to go where I'm going to be challenged. Like that's kind of been my personality. I've always been kind of like that. Um, my friends are always like, you have so much on your plate. I'm like, I wouldn't have it any other way though. I like to be busy. I like to do stuff. I like challenges too. So I think that personality has kind of helped me because I am someone that always takes risks and i like to be challenged and, but I also work a million hours a week. So, but I don't think I would be happy any other way. I, sometimes I wish I didn't have that personality because it would be a lot less stressful, but I've always kind of been like that. So yeah. yeah. And that brings me, uh, brings something up that I really want to at least have you comment on before we wrap up is this, you don't have to save the world. You don't have to make a touchdown for elephants or a touchdown for the environment or a touchdown for some aspect of your community that really needs a hero. You talk a lot about, like you start, said at the start, you know, look at your skill set, look at your experience, 
what can you uniquely bring to some problem that you're you're passionate about? It could be that you're just the greatest letter writer in the world or the greatest arguer. It could be that you actually have the hands-on experience that would make some organization fly. It You don't have to be the one that takes it to the finish line, right? Like the person who helps <laughs> gain inches is huge, I'm sure. I mean, the thing is, is like we need people in the world that can do every part of it. You know, like I have a yes. friend who's such a good, she, like you tell her like, whatever, you know, you're looking for something like a shirt or whatever. And she'll like spend hours researching. Like she's that kind of person. I'm like, we need people like you. You could use that talent to like, help, if they're doing a fundraising, like you could be the person, you know, that researches or helps them get, you know, sponsors. You could just be sharing stories on social media you know, whatever you can do, you use your voice and your talent. And if your talent is like, you're really good at baking. And so for every event, you help bring cookies, whatever. I think just if you're trying to contribute some goodness to whatever thing you're passionate about, if and if you don't have money, if you have a lot of money and no time, then you donate some money. If you don't have any money, but you have time, you volunteer at the local hospital with you know, the babies that are in ICU that don't have anyone to hold them. I don't, there's a million things that you could do, you know, do trash cleanup at your beach. You know, for me, it was elephants and that is, is my calling and the animals have always, I've always been like this my whole life. So that is my calling, but you know, my daughter loves, uh, wants to help clean the ocean and, you know, I'm like, go for it. There's so many things you can do. And, you know, you don't, that doesn't have to be your job. A lot of people need a different source of income, but you can volunteer, you can help. If we all did a little bit, it would make everything so much significantly better. And if you can't do anything, but you can tell your friends who are going to ride elephants that it's not cool to do that. And here's why, then that's your contribution. So I think putting good into the world and making positive change and speaking up for what is wrong is so amazing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to that point, and you've you've already said it earlier. You know, there's lots of kinds of wealth in this world. Wealth there, you, you might have a wealth of time. You might have a wealth of patience. You might have a wealth of creativity. You might have a wealth of curiosity. Any of those forms of wealth you can contribute in your own way with what time you have to making the world just that much better. And it, it makes for a life well lived. Definitely. And and if we all did that, can you imagine how what an incredible change. that would be, you know? So I just, I encourage people. And, you know, another thing I tell my daughters, I'm like, don't expect, if you see something that seems really wrong, don't, don't expect that there are a lot of people making a difference, that that anyone's doing anything about it. Because that is one thing I've learned. It's like, you see something and you're like, oh my God, that's so wrong, but I'm sure someone's taking care of it. Like mostly what I found out from this project is that's not the case. So, you know, do whatever you can to, find out about it. Like if, if you saw that or witnessed it or heard about it, maybe it is your, maybe it is a sign from the universe that you should actually speak up for that. You know, that another child so- that seems like they're not doing well, an animal, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think that's so, that's so true because it is so easy. I mean, how many times did I say to myself walking through the dental office after seeing somebody who used to be cheerful and now is so gloomy because of the news, Oh, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's got to be doing something about this. And it didn't, it turned out there weren't that many people who were writing positive news for curious people. And here we are 10 years later. Right. So it all makes a difference. Right. And the other part of that is I, 
Um, I just wanted to share with people that episode that I, I didn't come up with this. There's lots of forms of wealth. That's from an episode number 138 with this amazing guy named Nipun Mehta on the Goodness uh-huh. on Exchange podcast, The Conspiracy of Goodness. He is an amazing man. He, he's pushing the limits of volunteerism. He's got 1.5 million people around the world um, wow. to okay. see how much can be done in this world right. purely on volunteerism. And he does talk about many forms of wealth. So if people want to want to be able to look at their own lives and their own resources in new ways, I'd, I'd recommend that episode number 138. So as we wrap up here, if this interview had only been three minutes, and I bet you you've had some short interviews on, on yeah. you know, big, big places. Um, and I'm sure that one part of you wants people to know about the crush box. I mean, there, I mean, that's something we have to know to move mm-hmm. us to a new way of thinking, right? Sometimes we have to have these crushing moments, like, you know, whatever. But I'm sure you've got like some notions about the world and how and goodness and progress that you also have learned through your time with this project. If you, if this interview was really short, what would you want people to know to bring them um, hope and all that? Well, I just think that that isn't too late. Like we can make a significant change and we can all do our part to help animals, you know, just by instead of going to a breeder, rescue an animal, like don't ride elephants. I think we all need to do our part to, um, like we said before, to make a difference. And I think that giving hope and resources to do that is so important. And, you know, if I can be an example for anyone, I hope it inspires other people to um, speak up when they see some injustice and do your part to make it better. Pick your battle. Like it doesn't have to be elephants, but please like contribute if you can something to better the world because we really need it right now so what should people do next like tell us exactly how they can find you how they can contribute to what you're doing by buying these adorable i I think they're the word i got from my staff because you guys were part of our holiday gift guide um is that these toys are super plush exactly the kind of thing that you'd give to somebody for a new baby present or what have you so I, I've got that. You've solved that problem for me probably forever. But okay. where, else, where where can people connect with your work? What do you want people to do next to help you? So you can buy them on the site. So all the stuffed animals and there are clothes for them too. We have some work, which is really fun. Uh, I never thought I'd be, this is like my second, like in second grade, if someone said I was going to be a stuffed animal clothing designer. So they're at theelephantproject.com. It's important. And then my um, Instagram is the elephant project official. So those are like the two places that I kind of post the most um, and whatever. There are some stores in Santa Barbara and California where you can find them, but they're mostly online. They're really great gifts for kids of every age age, because it really teaches people to be the voice for the voiceless. So Mm -hmm. especially during the holidays, I like, why wouldn't you give a gift that helps rather than, you know, that they're going to get sick of in a couple of days. So we shouldn't miss that. The voice for the voiceless. That's what we should be teaching our children. Yes, definitely. In this oh. day and age, I feel like there's too many resources to ignore that. So thank you so much, Christina, for joining us. Thank you. I tell you, I, um, you are the kind of person that can give us all hope because what my message is when I get interviewed is that there are millions and millions, if not hundreds of millions of people like you out there, your stories are just not rising to the top of the internet. Right. So if, if someone wants to help, 
<laughs> that happen, you can help the goodness exchange because that's what we do. We shine a light on what's right with the world. And we're trying to have voices and projects like Christina's rise to the top of the internet in, instead of all the malarkey and the doom and gloom that we tend to see there. So I hope our conversation helped you through the rest of your week and you will find all the joy and wonder and possibility that we have been talking to you about. Thanks, Christina. Thanks so much, Linda. It was so great to talk to you. 